Thanks for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. Whether you're new to Highlands and are listening for the first time or you want to hear a past message again, welcome. Our heart at Highlands is to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus so you can have a life full of purpose as you grow in your faith and lead others to Jesus. We hope you enjoy and are inspired by the latest message from one of our communicators. Hey, how exciting is it to hear all the stuff God is doing around us and in our church? Isn't that exciting? I'm excited to see more people come to know Jesus. Man, I think that is fantastic to to see what is being stirred in us and come on, just the the impact we can make for God's kingdom. that That is what we are called to do. Right, I love last week, if you were here last week for Pastor Ken's messages, he talked on this series unfinished of what our work as the, as the church is to do. Right, if we read the book of Acts, we, we see that Paul did not end it with an amen. It is not ended with a that's it. We are continuing it. Right? I didn't end with Paul. It keeps on going with us and us today. That is what we are here to do. Right, Jesus might have said it is finished on the cross, but that was it is finished, the power of death and the power of Satan over us. When he said it is finished, that was tag team us in. It is started, right? Now we have a job to do. Now we go out to all the world and make a difference, right? That is what we are now here to do. See, when we see, when we look at the church of Acts as, as I guess the example, right, of as the early church gathered, they're now filled with the power of God, that they've been given the great commission as are all of us, we see an example of what we are now to do, right? And what we see is a church of urgency, right? Because there's an urgency about them because they've seen something. We see a church of action because they've been inspired by something. You know, these last two weeks, we've seen a, a move of God like none other in our youth ministry and our teenagers. Uh, it's been incredible. First week back, we were, uh, came, we prayed, we believed for every high schooler, 22,000 of them, they will know Jesus, they will accept Him as Lord and Saviour. And it's no longer just a, a pretty little number that we hope for. It's something that we're believing for, praying into. And, and I don't know, we just, I think in that, people got filled with the power of God, they're excited and First week, we saw two people get prayed for by high schoolers and leaders, and we saw a, um, a, a slipped disc in a back get healed in a teenager. We saw a dislocated ankle get healed. And, and because, of, because of that, right, they saw it happen. They're like, stuff, this is real. This is happening. God is moving through us. It is just me. It has come alive. And so on Friday, we saw um, at the end of the night, I was busy supervising probably outside, and, and I popped in, and there was just a group of 20 or so high schoolers praying and believing for miracles. It was insane. Come on, can I share some of the stories of what we saw God do. Uh, we saw one girl, her back get completely healed. We saw uh, Tanache, a boy who came from soccer who had messed his leg up, was limping on it. Man, he was doing box jumps on th- off the stage, completely healed in the name of Jesus. Uh, we saw a, a boy from Grammar. Uh, his, he ha- had a meniscus tear, had a leg brace on, uh, completely walking on it by the end of the night, prayed for, healed. Uh, Moses, boy, I've probably banned from youth before, to be honest. His ribs were healed in the name of Jesus. He was like, like his face was like, I can't believe what is happening. It was crazy. I love, there was a, a little year seven boy. I've never seen him before. I don't know. But apparently he walked up to this group, tears down his face, going, can you pray that I will believe more? Oh, man. Come on, God is on the move, church. Can we celebrate that God is moving? God is powerful. Come on, if he's gonna work through a bunch of teenagers, how much more is he gonna work through you? If God is stirring our young kids, how much more is He stirring us right now to go out and win Toowoomba for Christ? Come on, to go and see all 150,000 people in our region saved. That is not just a pretty little number. That is something we are actively believing for that God is stirring in us. See, when there is a, when there's action, there's urgency. When we see stuff, we get pumped up, we're ready to go. And that's what the early church had. We saw a sense of urgency 
about them. They knew Jesus was coming back. They knew Jesus had given them a big job to do of go out to all the world and preach the gospel and see every soul saved. So they had to get going, right? They had to get going and so do we. But who knows that the longer the time is until something is due, the less urgent it feels, right? Jesus is coming back. Oh, well, that was 2,000 odd years ago. I got time. Right, you know, the attitude we have where, you know, if you've got a uni assignment due in three days, right, over the weekend, okay, I've got a hustle, I don't have time to go see Barbie or Oppenheimer at the cinema, I've got to get into my assignment, I've got to do it, I've got to use all the chat GPT resources that are at my disposal, I've got to get this assignment done, right, but if you've got an assignment due in three weeks, well, I only need 19, I've got 19 days until I need to start, this is awesome, I've got time to go to the movies, I've got time to do this, right, you know, maybe you've got to get everyone, you've got half an hour to get ready for work, Man, oh, there's not enough time. I've got to get the kids ready. I've got to get myself ready. I've got to make the meal prep. I've got to do this. And where's the keys? Where are my socks? What's going on? Oh my gosh. And it's a rush. And you've got to get urgency. But if you don't start work till 1 p.m., well, it only takes half an hour to get ready. I've got so much time. It's awesome, right? When, when, when something isn't urgent, it definitely feels like there, there's less we need to put into it, right? It feels less urgent. This is why, again, the early church, there was a sense of urgency. Jesus was coming back. What was the last thing he gathered them and said, hey, go out to all the world, preach the gospel, wait for the Holy Spirit, then get going? and then just floated up to heaven. <laughs> like, well, when, when did he say? Did anybody say when he was going back? Like, well, he, you know, rose in three days. He was around for 30 odd years. Like, oh, which, we, we got to get going. There's a lot of earth to get to. We need to get going. They didn't know when he was coming back, so they had to jump on it. They got to work. And church, God is bringing his people together. When he gathered the church in the upper room of Pentecost, that was just the start. He is still gathering his people together. He is amassing an army. Come on, the kingdom of God is here, and we are coming to take this world. We are not sitting back until everyone knows Christ, till everyone is found. Because his kingdom needs an army, his harvest needs workers. Yeah. And let me tell you, as, as I was preparing for this, I really felt like God say there are, there are someone, some people here this morning that you need to know you are not here by accident. Okay, you are not at this church by accident. You have not been coming along for a few weeks by accident. You haven't just popped in today by accident. I really feel God is tapping you on the shoulder saying, hey, I am calling you. I need you to get active. I need you to get urgent. You were called for such a time as this. You are his plan A. You are his plan A. You're not backup. You're not C grade. No, you are his plan A. He's calling you to get in this. And church, for all of us, let me remind you, let me tell you that God has no need for a lukewarm church. He's not coming back for a Christian sitting in a chair. He is coming back for a Christian who is a mass and army, who is making a difference. Come on, he, he warns us about this even in Matthew 25. He warns everyone. He says, the kingdom of heaven, again, what he is bringing, who he is about, will be like 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough oil for their lamps. The other five, wise enough, they were prepared. They kept the fire burning. At midnight, they were aroused, saying, look, he's coming. And the five foolish ones asked, oh, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. We are told to be ready. We are told to be prepared. We are told to be urgent. We gotta keep the fire burning. Come on, it is not enough to wait for the next conference. It's not enough to wait for the, the big prayer night when Jillian Cameron comes. Come on, we gotta be ready. Keep the fire burning yourself. Get it going. We gotta have a sense of urgency about us. God was very, or Jesus himself was very apparent in this when he was talking to his disciples, when he was teaching them about the starting the church, bringing the gospel. He was very, very clear on it's not just about knowing stuff, 
Because right? we know what we're meant to do. Right? You know what you're meant to do. You know, we know what is good. We know what is bad. We know these things. But as I was preparing for this, I went through a few different commentaries. And I love what this guy, Donald Guthrie, says. He says, knowing without doing finds no sanction anywhere in the teaching of Jesus. Knowing without doing finds no sanction, is not accepted, was not even on Jesus' radar. It is all the same. You've got to do it, right? When he said, hey, you guys know this. Hey, disciples, make sure you're doing it. Like, it is all about, I need to actually be doing it. That's the only way you actually understand it. It's the only way it's getting across. It doesn't matter if you know you should love your neighbor. It doesn't matter if you know you should pick up your cross. It doesn't matter if you know you shouldn't do those things. Knowing is only accepted when it is doing, when it is happening, when it is taking place. Man, in there is the danger, I think, for many of us, is that I think we've made room in God's kingdom for lethargy. Right? Ah, oh, the assignment's not due for a few days. Ah, oh, work doesn't start later. I'll get there. I'll make time for it. Right? And especially in our very individualistic culture, where it's me, I, right? I've got time. I'm building the church, so I'll get there. I've got my mission. I've got my vision. I, 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 I. And when it's just on me, well, there's no rush. There's no one to tap me on the shoulder saying, hey, man, do you think you should be doing more? There's no one to encourage me to spur me along and say, Come on, we are building the church. We are completing this unfinished work. We are in this together. Let's go together. Come on, we are building the church. God has gathered us for a reason because it takes all of us. It takes all of you. Come on, we are not building the body of worldly success. We've got to come back to what is the most important thing. Come on, your business is growing. That's fantastic. Praise God, that's awesome. But let's remember that is secondary to reaching the souls, reaching the lost, seeing them saved. Right, come on, we, we are not building the body of popularity and comfort. Come on, it's fantastic. You've reached savings and interest rates. This is great for my savings account. Hooray, and I'm gonna buy the house and this is the next step and this is the plan. That's great. But remember, that is secondary. Come on, to seeing the lost come home, the prodigals come home, seeing our world saved. Go out into all the world and make disciples. Go out to all the world and reach the lost. That is our common ground, church. How great that you can be a janitor, you can be an accountant, you can be in high school, you can be well out of school. And regardless, our mission is the same. Go out to the world, reach the lost. Go out to the world, preach the gospel. Bring the good news. Every person in this room right now, no one is exempt, no one is avoided for it. We are all the same. We've got the same job to do. And come on, let's, let's be real that until every tongue confesses that Jesus is Lord, till every eye is seen, ear is heard, and they have said, yes, is the job done and we can hang the boots up. Come on, until that moment, we've got something to do. So we've got to get some urgency about us. We need to stand out. Are you seen? Are you noticed? Do people see the hope inside of you? Do they see that you stand out as a light on a hill that cannot be hidden? I love how Pastor Murray, our Highfields pastor, put it a few weeks ago when he preached on, on this series. He said, the world does not need another group that looks and speaks and acts exactly like them. Come on, the world needs a prophet. The world is looking for a prophet, for someone who is bringing hope. We gotta, get, we gotta uh, stop believing the lie that the world doesn't wanna hear about Jesus, that the world doesn't wanna believe there's a God. Rubbish. People are looking for an answer. They're looking for hope. It is dark and it is desperate out in our world. And people are looking for something. They're looking for someone to say, I've got the answer. 
But if we just look like everyone and we're doing what they're doing and talking like they're doing and, and struggling like they're doing and, oh, yeah, it's just how it is. This is what it is. Mondays, am I right? Well, they're looking. Where's a prophet? Well, not there. Come on, we've got to stand out, church. We've got to make a difference. And through that is how we reach people. It's how we do what we're called to do. That is the hope we carry on the inside that we are entrusted with. That is the unfinished work that we have been hired for. So we've got to go, well, what are we meant to do? Right? How do we do it? Right? And I sort of mentioned it already, but I, I think we're obviously fine on the knowing. Right? We know what we're meant to do, but I believe the delayed, uh, sorry, the doing is a little delayed. And I know I should love my neighbor. I know I should pick up my cross. I know I need to deny myself. I know, God, you've got a bigger plan, but the doing seems a little delayed, right? I don't need to do it yet because I've got plenty of time. And again, Jesus is all through his teaching, all through his examples in scripture, all through the, the focus of time that he had with his followers was focused on showing them, hey, this is what you need to do. This is who I need you to be because he was setting them up to start the church. The thing we are continuing doing, again, the call of God to all the world, till every knee bows, till every tongue confesses. We are a part of that as well. So we look to the example Jesus gave us. And really, I believe it has all culminated in one of Jesus' last moments with the future church. One of his last moments with his followers, with his people, that he was saying, hey, you are going to take this message further than it currently is. Not just for the Jews, for the Gentiles, for every country, every nation around the world. It culminates in one of his last moments, which was the Last Supper. Man, I think it is fascinating and humbling to look at Jesus' last moments before the cross. That's what this was. This was one of the last moments that he had to sit down with his disciples to talk and teach and show them Again, who he's calling them to be, who he needs them to be, the truth, the power that he carried. It's one of the last moments. And it's really interesting. Because what, what, be what would be the most important thing? You, you've got limited time, limited words. You've got till the third course comes out, then it's game time, right? For Jesus, it's game time. He's not going to have it again. What would your last thing be? I don't know if, if you're sitting with a loved one, what's the last thing you would say to them? What would be your last action to cement your legacy? What would you do? Right? Well, where would your mind be? What would your focus be? Because this is the context that Jesus was in. John 13, it tells us, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He'd loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. See, this isn't just us observing Jesus' final moments with hindsight of, oh, I've, I've skipped ahead. I was a bit naughty. I've read what's going to happen. I know, you know, spoiler alert, right? Jesus was well aware of this as well. He knew where he was going. He knew the cross was coming. He knew the, the pain and the, the, all the sins of the world coming on him, that he was paying the price for that. Right, being our sacrifice. He knew that one of his closest friends was going to betray him, was being influenced by Satan. This is all going on in his mind. Right? This is all where he's currently at, where he is focused at. Right? He wasn't a robot where he went, all right, now I'm in the garden of Gethsemane and boop, now I'll feel, the, feel the, the weight of the emotions and I'm sweating blood and I'm asking God, take this cup from me, but your will be done regardless. Right? For us, right? emotions don't just work like that. So gradually, they're sudden, suddenly, right? So as Jesus is sitting with his disciples, this is all going on in his mind. 
Love how Donald Guthrie, I mentioned him before, says it like this. On the very edge of his last sufferings, when it might have been supposed that he would be absorbed in his own awful prospects, he was so far from forgetting his own. Again, it just shows knowing without doing, right? Jesus was through and through. He didn't just say, hey, the first will be last, the last will be first, deny me, take up your cross, but, but not when you're going through stuff. Right, again, Jesus had a lot on his plate. He had a lot in his mind. If he needed to take a cheeky five minutes in the corner, have a little cry in the car park, that would have been acceptable. You've got a lot going on, Jesus. It's gonna be a tough few days coming up. But no, even when his mind was distracted, even when his emotions were all over the place, because he was fully human, fully human, fully God, right? He loved his disciples to the last minute. He spent time with them. He focused on them. And maybe for you, there's distraction and emotion around you as well. I'm just, I've got so much on. I've got family pressure that's going on. I've got all this stuff happening at work. And then, oh, this friend said this, and this is happening, and I'm going through this, and I've got this diagnosis, and this is happening. And there's a lot of distraction and just things that is causing us to maybe lose sight of, again, why am I here? What's my mission? What is Jesus asking me to do? Right? We get so focused on my plans and my future, but we forget how are we taught to pray? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come on, what does your kingdom come prayer look like? Does it look like the early church who gathered in that upper room going, we are gonna see the whole world come to know Christ. We're gonna see every soul saved. Or maybe is it convenient that your kingdom come prayer looks exactly like what you would like to see as well? Right, where what, what, what you're believing for just lines up with your passions and your interests and what you're currently working at. Which again is good, and I hope that there is some alignment between your plans and God's, God's plan, right? Your career and what God is calling you to do. Your, your habits and your, your uh, soul and, and who God is calling you. I hope there is some alignment there. But church, we need to remember, we might need a, a, a sober reminder, is that at some point in our life, your plan and God's plan will not intersect. At some point, you'll be called to give up this for this. You'll be called to sacrifice this for this. You'll be called to pick up a cross over there. You'll be called to go over there. So what good is it for man to, to gain the world but forfeit his soul? It's gonna happen. And I'm sure for many of you, you've experienced that moment before in your own faith life, in your own journey. We need to remember that. So we can't just be praying our prayers. But what is God wanting us to pray for? What is God believing for us? Because right? it's great when our passions line up with serving, when, when we get to disciple people that are our friends and it's a great little community yeah, and we're all the same age. We come over for a barbecue on Fridays. This is fantastic. This is great. And it's great when church looks like this. Right? It's fantastic and it's vibrant and we're blessed with a fantastic facility. It's awesome. And, and family is this. People and career is this. But come on, that can't be everything. That can't, it can't just be that God's will just happens to fit in such a nice, neat little box for us that we really don't need to forsake the world, that we don't really need to give up on everything around us, that oh, I can have both. I can gain the world and gain my soul. Come on, I, I don't think it is that convenient. And that's what Jesus showed us. When he didn't feel like it, when his mind was elsewhere, passion was elsewhere, what did he do? When he was distracted by all the things of the earth, in his last moment, the last few words, the last sentiment, the last statement. How did he show the disciples and millions of believers to follow how to go out and reach the world? At a dinner table, how did he do it? He did it by washing their feet. 
Did it by washing their feet, John 13. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around them. See, this is, this is the ultimate act of serving. And I know you've, you've all probably heard it, we're all aware of it, don't worry, I'm not washing their actual feet, that'll be gross. <laughs> especially Jason's. <laughs> this honestly is the ultimate act of serving. First off, it says Jesus put on the clothes of a slave, right? a position despised by Jews and Gentiles alike. You, you would have heard a pin drop in the room. Again, we look at this through our context. What a nice thing to do. Oh, it's very you know, humbling. Oh, yeah, wash feet, and that's great. We're serving. And Again, we're looking at that through our context of we've... Uh, growing up generations of, of Christendom, right? A nation was founded on Christian principles. Uh, the, the, and most of the Western cultures was formed and created from that. So we're, we're looking from a context where this is normal, but this is not the case. As Jesus was doing this, the, the disciples, the people in the room were disgusted, demoralized, embarrassed. What are you doing, Jesus? That is the filth. Oh, you can't do that. So it's more than just a nice little thing. And in that is where we miss the point. We get caught at looking this through our own lens, right? We go, well, okay, Jesus says, wash people's feet. Well, I'm going to wash their feet. I'm going to wash, I'm going to wash Aaron's feet. I like Aaron. Aaron's great. I'm going to, I'm going to do that. Oh, and I'm friends with Jason, so I will wash his feet. I'll disciple him. And Soph's a bit annoying, but she's all right. And, you know, you probably should keep her around. She's a good singer. I'll wash her feet as well. I get something. Danny's, Danny's going to fix the Wi-Fi for me later, so I better, you know, and I'm going to wash his feet. And they're my neighbours, and they're close to me, and we've got some similar interests, and I'll do that, and I'll wash their feet. I'll, I'll, so I am leading people, Jesus. Look at me. I am leading people. Jesus, look at me. I am talking to people. Jesus, look at me. I am praying for things. I will wash John's feet. I will wash Peter's feet. But would you wash Judas's? Would you wash Judas's feet as well? Oh, they chose Stephen again. Oh, rough. See, we forget, in this moment, Judas is still there. He's still at the table. He hasn't gone off to betray Jesus yet. That moment hasn't happened yet. So Judas is still there. And said Jesus went through and washed all their feet, served all of them. This is where he made the point, I will wash your feet. I will bridge the gap. I will come to you and serve you. I don't know, it makes you think. Again, is, is, is God's plan for your life really, does, does the line just happen to conveniently stop here at uncomfortable, at people that don't like me, at people that will probably be offended, that might cause me some pain, that might cause me some harm? Is it really that convenient that that is where the line is drawn? Is there really no room for Judas? Is there really no room for the uncomfortable, no room for struggle? Come on, the unfinished work of the early church was not self-serving. Probably would have been much easier for Paul just to stick preaching to the Jews. To stick with that. Come on, the mandate was clear. Go out into all the world. Go out to Judas. Oh, Ben, but they, they, they hate us. Ben, that'll be so uncomfortable. Come on, we've got to remember what Jesus said. You will be hated all over the world because you're my followers. Ah, oh, that's, that's not in the, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind. No, that one's in there too. Didn't say it was going to be easy. The unfinished the work of the church is not rainbows and candy. Come on, there is hard work to do. But man, it is worth it. There are souls that need saving. There are people that need the gospel. They're looking, I need a prophet. 
but oh, I'm busy over here. My small group's full. Look at, I don't have room. Sorry. My prayer list is full. My time is full. I'm distracted. I'm, come on. Church, are we willing to make room for the people that we weren't before? To chip away at the unfinished, we need to get uncomfortable. Because, man, the idea of love has been lost without urgency. Because, again, we forget that this love, this agape love, that there's a word used for it. It's a love of charity, giving away, sacrificing everything. Charity is not, like, you've never heard someone, you wouldn't go, oh, they're very charitable when they're saying, oh, I'm giving all this money, but, man, I'm getting so much out of this. You wouldn't go, that does not sound very generous. But the people who give of everything, sacrifice away, that is the love we're told to have, that I will sacrifice for your good. If we want to see the 150,000 people in our city come to know Jesus, we've got to be willing to get a little uncomfortable. We've got to be willing to talk to people we don't want to talk to, give money away we would rather keep for ourselves, pray passionately about things when we'd rather veg out, go to the prayer meeting when we'd rather sleep in, pray again for that lost, that lost soul, pray again for that frustration, pray against the oppression on our city. Build things we'll never utilise. Come on, it's great when we've got a church in Highfields that we've planted and we get to see the fruit. We just drive down the road. It's easy. That's great. It's nice. Past Super Easter, it's good. Right, and then we go to another, this is good, visit every now and then, but what about when we plant a church in the valley and we can't go and visit it and we don't get to experience it ourselves? What happens when we plant a church interstate, internationally, and you'll never get to visit it, you'll never get to see it, but we still give, we still build, we still pray for, we still sacrifice for it, but we never receive the benefit here on earth this day. Are we still willing to do it? Are we still willing to get around it? Come on, are we willing to do things that are outside our passions and interests? Not because my body benefits, Maybe not even because this body here benefits, but the body, the church benefits. The world needs us to show and extend a practical example of the tender mercies of Christ. We need to show it to them. This is what Jesus showed us. This is how he showed us from this position. As we're down here, as we're washing their feet, from this position is where we preach grace. From here is where we preach truth. From while we're standing out again, oh, you do not seem of this world and I'm looking for a prophet, I'm looking for someone with some hope and you seem to be serving a higher power outside of your own interest. This isn't helping. If anything, this is, this is making it harder for you. Why? Why are you doing it? From here is where we preach the name of Jesus. From a position that stands out. We're getting down, washing their feet. Church, are we willing to get in this position? And we're willing to cross the line of uncomfortable, of awkward, of will probably cost some opportunities on earth. But come on, for the sake of their soul, for the sake of them seeing Jesus through you, for the sake of them finally seeing a light that cannot be hidden. Are we willing? Are we ready? Thanks, guys. You can probably just jump on band now, I guess. <laughs> we've got to make sure that there is not an attitude of I'm doing enough. Again, it's a sober reminder. But man, if you can imagine Jesus washing your feet, because he did, he washed your feet, he's washing your feet. And as he's washing your feet, come on, as he died for you, as he saved you, as he empowered you, as he's forgiven you, as he has enabled and forgiven and forgiven and forgiven and forgiven you. Come on, can we really look at him as he's washing our feet and going, I'm doing enough, Jesus. No, I'm, I am building your church. I'm, I'm, no, I've got things, there's no other time. 
Now that'd be uncomfortable, Jesus. Now that'd be awkward. What if it, what if it ruins the friendship? Ugh, what if I get called out? Come on, I don't think we can honestly look at him as he's washing our feet and say, I am doing enough. Church, there is more. There is more in us. There is more in you. I want to call it out of you. There is more in you. Come on, you've got the time. You've got the heart. You've got the ability. Come on, to cross that line, cross that threshold and go, I will go wherever. I will take up your cross. I will deny myself. I will forsake the the ambition if it means your kingdom grows. If it means another soul crosses that line of entering into the kingdom of God, man, I will do it. Come on, the world is not gonna be phased by a lukewarm church. They need a group of people that have been washed by Jesus. Guy, I am ready, prepared to go out because He's calling you. He's saying, let me wash your feet. Let me prepare you no matter how dirty they are, no matter how messed up it's been, no matter how wild the journey has taken you, I'm ready to wash your feet and prepare you to be sent out. Come on and take that same message to the world. You don't need anything else but Jesus to wash your feet. Come on, are you willing? Don't be like Peter who said, no, not my feet, Jesus. Not my feet, Jesus. And I love, I'll, I'll quickly end on this. It's, it's, there really is an attitude we've we got to watch out, watch out for. That we're not too lofty, too busy, too anything to say, not my feet, Jesus. Now the commentary, Robert Jameson said this, it is not humility to refuse what the Lord does for us or to deny what he has done, but it is self-willed presumption. This is the part that got me. Not rare, however, in those inner circles of lofty religious profession and traditional spirituality, which are found wherever Christian truth has enjoyed long and undisturbed possession. Not unlike in those areas. Come on, it, it can so, that, that attitude can so easily creep into a place like this. I know it's easy to go, well, no, it's those generations. No, it's those cathedrals there. Come on, it can creep in. Again, the, the lantern can start to dull. The oil hasn't been filled up. The fire isn't burning. hasn't been burning for a while. It's not due for a few days. I've got time. I'll, I'll get to my workplace. I'll get to my people. I'll get to my family. Around. I'll get there. Come on, we might not know when the end of the world is. It wasn't for 2,000 years. The disciples didn't seem to mind because they knew that it was the end of the, day, end of the world for someone every day. So we cannot waste time, church. We cannot wait for tomorrow. Come on, if the Holy Spirit is, 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 is pointing you to that person, go. If the Holy Spirit is telling you to speak up at work, do it. If the Holy Spirit is telling you to wash their feet, do it. Because if that means they then are saved. Come on, if it means that one boy from grammar as they came from a boarding house and got his meniscus healed, come on, if that means that we see hundreds of boys from grammar coming and professing the name of Jesus, I'm so glad Maka washed his feet. I'm so glad that Josh picked him up and drove him there. Come on, I'm so glad that he bought a got a Zinger burger before youth and it meant that he stuck around and it meant his jarred finger got healed and now his faith is on fire for Jesus. Come on, what is God asking you to do? Don't say, I'll get there. Don't say, I'll wait. Come on, we don't have enough time. Let's keep the story going. Let's keep the fire burning, church. Let's be ready. Let's be someone that goes, I can't afford to say, not my feet, Jesus. Pray bigger prayers. God, I pray that my whole workplace will come to know you. That's my prayer now. God, I pray that every family member will come to know you, that prodigals will come home. 
God, I pray that every house in my street will be coming to church. Come on, when you're praying prayers like that, you can't say, not my feet, Jesus. Later, we're like Peter saying, wash all of me, Jesus. I need more of you. It's impossible to do kingdom-minded prayers on our own. So let's ask Him, church. Ask Him to wash us, prepare us and send us out. We're going, the oil is filled up. We're turned on, we're ready to go. Come on, if we're ready, we're gonna pray. If we're ready for it, let's go. God, I pray right now over every single person. God, that a sense of urgency, come on, jumps on their soul. Lord, a sense of urgency right now. Come on, if you feel you've, you've had a lack of urgency, you've been saying later, you've been saying, I'll get there. I just want you to hold your hands out in front of you, ready to receive an urgency from the Holy Spirit, an urgency from God, a pointing, a directing. He's putting the wash basin in your hands. He's putting the towel ready, going, go and serve the world. Go and preach power and truth and authority from a lowly position because that, come on, the least shall be the greatest. So Holy Spirit, over every person right now who has taken that physical response to a spiritual decision inside, Lord, let the fire burn so bright. Lord, right now, names, family members, people coming to mind saying, go, you are called, you are called, you are called, you are called. Come on, the church didn't finish in the book of Acts. It is going today with these stories. God, fill them with your power right now. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, if you haven't been following Jesus, you've been living life on your own, you haven't, you've just been doing whatever. Come on, there is greater on the other side of sacrifice. There is greater when you say, it's not my life, it's yours. There is greater when you say, oh, you know what, God? If you would use me, then I'm ready. If you would forgive me, then I'm ready. If you would heal me, then I'm ready. Because I know He is saying right now, I will. He was on that cross, He was thinking of you. Saying they are worth dying for. They are worth paying this price for. Come on, He wants to pull you up, get you on the path. So if there's anyone who is not following Jesus right now, you've not made a decision to say, Jesus is my Lord and Saviour. I'm ready to live for someone that is not myself. I wanna pray for you. I wanna help you start this journey. So if that's you, while every eye is closed, I want you to, again, physical response to a spiritual decision. Put your hand up saying, I need Jesus. Reach out to Him. Come on, is there anyone who needs to make that decision? It'd be rude of me not to ask. Come on, one more moment. Friend, don't miss out. If you aren't following Him, this is your moment to get everything on track. Come on, God, I pray for every soul in this room. You reveal yourself to them, Jesus. Show them who you are. Show them the plans and purposes you've got for them. If they think they aren't the right person, they think they aren't enough, God, I pray you reveal to them whether they're a son or a daughter. Lord, that you have called them to go out to the world. They are a part. They are needed in the body of Christ to reach the 150,000 here and then the millions or billions on the globe. Come on, that every tongue will confess. We thank you, Jesus, that you believe in us, you've called us. Right now we say we're ready to go. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. We hope you feel encouraged to take these words with you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose and to make a difference. If you feel moved by today's message and want to connect with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at highlands.au on Facebook or Instagram or head to the highlandschurch.org.au website for more resources and information. Be sure to follow the Highlands Message Podcast on your preferred platform to stay up to date with our latest message. We hope to see you in person soon.